0: Last time when I spoke on inheritance and the uh, difference between being an heir and a child, I spoke on stipulations that God has on inheriting here on earth and um, being mature enough to handle it or wise enough to handle your inheritance. And I didn't get into a lot of things that I thought, I thought I was going to when I was preparing for it, but I thought I was going too long and I just didn't get into it. And after the initial relief of getting through the sermon and the preparation, I was like, Whew, it's over. Uh, God wouldn't let me go. And he said that I'd left off too early, didn't get into what I should have got into. So, one of the things that, one of the biggest points I made last time was that people don't want to leave an inheritance to someone and they waste it and they lose it. I don't want them to be unwise with it. It won't end up being a regret that you turn around and look and think, well, I had nothing, then I had something, and I lost everything. And it wasn't even yours that you lost. But there's a greater fear that people have when they leave an inheritance to their children or to their heirs, and that's that they'll fight over it. So a lot of people will leave the majority of their possessions, the wealthy people will leave the majority of their possessions to charities because they would rather their children be angry at them than each other and fight over who gets what and why, who deserved it more. So let's turn to Genesis 4, starting 3. Early example in the Bible of people fighting over an inheritance. See, Cain killed Abel, not because Abel's offerings were better than Cain's. Or, uh, yeah, he killed him because God noticed. He knew his offerings weren't as good as Abel's. He knew his heart. He knew the heart of God. If you start there in three, and we're going to read all the way to seven. So then it came to. In process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. I believe Cain, realizing God had more respect for Abel's offering, he thought he could keep a hold of the best, get blessed, and then have more. But knowing that Abel had more respect from God, it's one of the first parallels of the parable of the wicked husbandman. Because Cain was like, Well, I can kill the heir and I can seize on his inheritance. I think that's the exact same thing. The very first part, very first sin in the Bible, I think Satan had the same thing in mind. Satan had lost his ability or his. Status and the heir, human beings, they were going to get everything he wanted. They were going to get to inherit the kingdom of God, and that's what Satan ultimately wants. He wants everything that we are going to get. So he goes to Eve and tempts her to give up her inheritance. I don't think we'll have time to get into this, but an interesting point is Satan cannot take our inheritance. He can only, with God's permission, give us the option to give it away. And she did, but we don't have to. We can always take it back. Let's uh, look at Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau is... They fought over their inheritance their whole life, long before their parents died. Esau freely gave up his birthright, which is part of his inheritance, for a bowl of soup. And the birthright is the right to carry on the family name, the right to lead his father's people. It has doesn't have as much to do about possessions as... His inheritance. So his birthright was just as a firstborn. Okay, everybody comes after you, gets called after your father's name. I'm sure he wasn't happy about giving it up, but it doesn't really talk too much about him having a feeling one way or the other until Genesis uh, 27. Genesis 27. We'll start off with Genesis, we'll be in Genesis 41. Genesis 27, 41. Jacob comes in convinces his father that he is Esau to steal Esau's inheritance and In this part of his inheritance let's see, talks about ruling over his brother talks about he'll live off the fat of the land this is almost all power and possession that's what Esau really wanted and whenever he lost his possessions, in Genesis 27:41 says and Esau hated Jacob his because of the blessings wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Now he probably would have gone after Jacob, but his father lived till Jacob came back. His mother didn't. But an interesting point whenever he gave up his birthright to carry on his father's family name, he gave up salvation. Abraham was the path to salvation. And he could care less that he gave up salvation. He came, I mean, that wasn't where his heart was and I believe that's why God allowed his possessions to be taken from him as well. He could see where his treasure was. You know, salvation for soup, and then possessions. That was worth killing his brother over. Same as as uh, Cain and Abel. Like I said, no one wants to leave a blessing to their heirs, and turn back, and you find out years later. Oh man, I I I talked bad about my brother and my sister just so my parents would give me a larger portion, or so they wouldn't give him a portion at all. I know um, in my family there was a situation where a guy didn't want to go to a nursing home. And he said, if anybody tries to put me or my wife into a nursing home, any of my children, they're out of the will." And it got to the point where they needed to be taken care of. So one of them came in and convinced this elderly couple that the brother was going to put them in a nursing home. They lost the brother had talked about it with the other the sister. And they had both agreed on it together. But once he got she got him to agree, she went to and had him removed from the will and took everything. They don't speak. There's cousins that don't speak, there's aunts and uncles that don't speak, and they have all kinds of, of reasons uh, for not showing up at family reunions to one or the other. I asked one time, oh, they don't like my, my food. It's, that's not why they're not showing up. They, uh, <laughs> they stole their inheritance. And this is a close family. It was a close family. But that is what possessions will do to someone. Very seldom or I mean, obviously in a Christian circle it's different, but in the world very seldom will someone fight over naming rights unless there's money behind it. No one's going to fight over an inheritance if there's no inheritance. But money, possessions, change people. Uh, I think as Christians, we practice this among ourselves more than we realize it spiritually we, uh, we look at, at people who are blessed more than we are and depending on if we are in a right state with God and we think well why would God bless that person and not bless me and why would God bless somebody with all this and it could be anything husband, wife, car, house whatever they're blessing them with why would God bless someone and not bless me why would God take me and leave me in the cold? We're less likely to look at ourselves, or less likely to think, well, maybe God's blessing that person, and through that person's blessing, I'll be blessed. That's God's purpose. God's purpose is that we're supposed to look at our brothers and sisters who are succeeding and be encouraged by that and not be envious of it, not be be jealous of it. You know, a lot of times I think God is, is trying to check and see if we're gonna be more envious. Of the blessing, or whoever blessed him, or the God who blessed him with it, you know churches. This is a big one. People, oh, why does that church have twenty thousand people in it? The church doesn't. You know, they they speak real soft to them. They don't teach them anything difficult. Why would God put twenty thousand people in that church? They must not be. They must not be a, a biblical church. You know, my church, my church is a biblical church. We we preach the Bible. That 20,000-member church, it's just a club. You know, they show up, they get entertained. But and in some cases, gets personal. The pastor of these big churches or middle churches or small churches will talk bad about pastors or people going to the other churches. So then you have a personal thing. Well, yeah, they can't be. They can't be blessed. They can't actually be a church of God because they talk bad about me. And that bleeds over. To people that go to that church that know how you feel about that church, what if God put that church there to plant 20,000 seeds, and every other church around them was just there to water? What if their inheritance was seeds and our inheritance was water? But well, we can't water a seed that is a shame to talk to us because of our stance or belief on that church. Let's turn to Philippians 1, we'll start in 15. This is, there are some indeed preach Christ of envy and strife, some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add afflictions to my bonds. But others of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached? And I therein do rejoice, and yea, I will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation in my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, that with all boldness I always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or death. Paul had a lot of people that talked him down. A lot of people who talked, uh, apparently he wasn't a very good speaker. Apparently he could be a little gruff. People talk bad about him. But in between talking bad about him, they spoke the word, and he was thankful for that. Because he said it right here, he said it doesn't matter. You can have an evil person go out on the street, and no matter what they say, if they speak a scripture, that scripture is still fruitful. It's the word of God, which is also our inheritance. That is powerful. They are not the person speaking it. And he said he didn't want to be ashamed by saying something about that person. If you said something about, I don't know who the pastor of Southeast Christian is, but you said something about that pastor in a group, and the one person in that group is getting ready to ask you a question, Oh, yeah, I heard something at that, at that church. I was going to ask you a question about that. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'll ask someone else. Maybe I'll ask somebody who, that person is going to feel ashamed to come to you or to me. But I'm guilty of it, too. I actually invited uh, one of the guys from church over here, and I pick on him about his church all the time. But hopefully he don't take it seriously. He might be watching online. Um If you take it seriously, I'm sorry, you can talk to me. But what I want to talk to someone about, I want to build them up in what they've heard. I want to build them up in what, in the promises. I want to build them up in the whole word of God, not tear down something else. Because they're more likely to just avoid the subject than they are to talk to me if I'm presenting myself in a certain way. It can also happen with families or churches that are being blessed. People see healings in other churches. People see growth in other churches. You know, Why would that family see these blessings? Or why is that child... You hear stories about people getting healed and, and we have a lot of, of children uh, close to us that have, have been going through struggles. And that's the tough... That is really tough to see a baby struggling. I'm, more than one person in here can, can attest to that. But when we see other people, it's, it's, it's always, why is that child suffering? And then you hear about this person living horribly their whole life. And in the last year of their life, they get saved, they get healed, and they, they go to heaven. Instead, we could be thinking, praise God, if it can happen to that person, it can happen to me. Like you were talking about earlier, about encouragement. That is encouragement. No matter who it happens to, why are we looking for the reason why instead of thanking God for whatever reason it is? You know, I think we have almost no issue with expecting things to happen to us when it comes to bad stuff, I'll, you know, there's three or four people over at work got sick, so I guess it's probably coming my way. I hope it happens on the weekend so I don't miss work, or I hope it happens not on the weekend so I don't miss the weekend. But you know, people get fired, industries struggle, and it's probably coming my way. That's that's a, that's a struggle. Because it's easy. You can see something coming your way because you have the experience of there's a bug going around. And last year that bug went around, I got it. So that's the experience we have. The Bible doesn't change by our experiences. We have to uh, bend our experiences to the Bible. And some people would actually bring up uh, generational curses. And... You know, hey, your grandpa 30 years ago, he was a, a witch doctor or something and you didn't come against that, so it's coming back to haunt you. A few months ago, up until a few months ago, I would have I would have agreed with that statement. I've heard the term generational curses my whole life. I was listening to a pastor and he said, "When I got saved, God is now my father. What curses is he passing down to me?" There, there, he has no generational curses. He has no curses in his generation to pass down to mine. Now, if I claim my earthly inheritance, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to take whatever curse, whatever, you know, my parents were bad with money. My parents did this. If you want to claim that, you can claim it. If you're only expecting the bad things to happen to you to come your way, there's one of two things going on. You're either claiming the wrong inheritance or you're claiming the right inheritance, and we need to seek adoption. Because I don't have any generational curses. I have people who are cursed in my generations, but I don't have any generational curses. And I wanted to say I'm not talking about not calling out um, heresies. I've seen um, clips of, I think, Benny Hinn and. The people they get up there and they start shaking, and people start having seizures, and they touch somebody and they fly backwards and you know that's i've never seen God work that way, not in my life i don 't think if uh, God was going to work in that way, he would make the production all about the guy up there putting on a show i was watching a evangelist i won 't mention the church, but I was watching an evangelist a few years ago, and he got up and he was bringing all these people up there to, to heal him. And he would go through something and then he would throw his hands out and they'd pop up and they'd talk about how their knees were feeling better, their heart was feeling better. And he started bragging about who he had learned from. He said, oh yeah, yeah, I learned from, from I don't even know the name. And he said, he taught me how to flow into the Spirit and flow out of the Spirit. And I was like, why would you want to flow out of the Spirit? So, I mean, that's that's pretty foolish. But it was all about him and there's nowhere in the Bible where it was all about anybody except for Jesus and even Jesus said it's not me look to the Father there's no point as soon as any theologian evangelical person starts doing that I I really have difficulty listening to them I can if I need to hear the word really bad at that moment I can open up my Bible but I think in this culture we've become so entrenched in our own self-righteousness that we need to take a step back, like I was saying earlier, take a step back and look at the situation, say, "Thank God, someone is receiving their inheritance. Someone is being blessed. Praise God for that. You know, if someone's being healed, praise God for that. If they're not at the church that you believe, you know, all the, you know, they're not at a at a Baptist church. They're not at a Pentecostal church or a Presbyterian church. Actually, I don't know what a, what a Presbyterian church is, but whatever it is, they're not there. You know, the scribes and Pharisees struggled with Jesus because they had been preparing themselves to be that guy. They thought, "I'm prepared." the spirit of God there had been no prophecy there was a dead nation for I think it was 400 years I forget how many years it was between that point and that point but they had been preparing themselves studying the word so when the spirit of God was poured back out on the nation they would be the guy and they whenever Jesus came out some regular guy from a know-nothing little itty-bitty town they said well no it wouldn't happen to him. It would happen to us. So the only way it's happening to him is if it's not right. And we have to one, one of the uh, statement I heard was you know, we, we weigh people. We weigh everybody in life. And the only way we can accurately weigh someone is if we're not on the other end of the scale. If we're on the other end of the scale We always win. And the other person's always going to be a little bit lower because we don't know their life. And even if they are, it doesn't matter. You know, God chose the lowest of us. He chose the publicans and the sinners to start with. And maybe that's because they don't have the patience God's built up in us over the years to wait for it. Maybe they do, but people want to hear what makes them feel comfortable, and that is a sign of immaturity. That's where this is all tying into, is it doesn't matter what the consequences are, they want to hear what makes them feel good. In um, 1 Kings 22, we don't have to turn there, they're, uh, the king of Israel he wanted to go up against Syria, so he couldn't do it alone. He brought Judah in, and he said, "All right, let's let's take him down." And Judah said, "Well, let's." Uh, uh, Jehoshaphat said, "Let's let's ask God, see what see what He has to say." And they brought all these prophets up here, and they put on a big show, talking about, "Yeah, God has delivered them into your hands. You yeah, know, go up, uh, be warm and filled," and Joseph asked, well, is there anybody else? Somebody who's not putting on a show? Is there any other prophet? And I can't think of the prophet's name, but he brought this other prophet in. He said, I, I don't really, really want to talk to, about this guy or I want this guy to speak because he never says anything good. He didn't say he didn't say anything true. But he said he doesn't say anything good. And he brought him up. And the first thing the prophet said was, yep, you're going to win. The king of Israel knew that was a lie he said, I told you just to tell me what God actually says. And then he told him the truth. And he said, no, I didn't want to hear that either. So, instead of being a mature adult, he turned and said, okay, fine. God, If God's going to kill me, I'm going to take your profit. I'm going to take your toys. And if, if you break my toys, I'm going to break yours. That was, hey, if I don't come back, make sure you kill him. God... Make sure you're listening. That's immaturity. Let's turn to, to Isaiah thirty. We'll read through nine, uh, nine, ten. This is that this is a rebellious people, lying children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Which say to the seers, See not, and to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things, And prophesy deceits. This ties into what I was talking about last, last week, About the difference between being heirs and children, Or not last week, However long ago it was. When, throughout the whole Bible, there are statements about God's people. He says they're a people of inheritance, a people of God's inheritance, uh, a people of great inheritance. But when they stop listening, he goes back to calling them children. So you're not you're not my heirs anymore. You're just, you're just children. You don't want to hear the truth. And um, God goes down to to these people, and he says, okay, you're all, you're struggling. They were all struggling. There was nations coming against them. He says, you want to know why nations are coming against you? You're not listening. You want to know why? Because you don't want to hear what I have to say. They knew what he had to say. Um, In modern terms, you know, why is your boss or your customers always mad at you? Why are you always sick or injured? Why does everything seem to go wrong? Most of the times it comes down to the simple fact of we're just not listening. You know, when I uh, I first started turning my life around, I struggled with sin, major sin. And one day, I'd feel like I I, I was on top of it. And the next day, I'm begging God for forgiveness. How did, how did I get back here so quickly? And it went on, on, and on. And eventually, I came down, and asked, I had to ask God. I said, God, what, what am I doing? What... You know, I'm supposed to be free. I'm not free of this. I'm not at peace. And it came down, he said, you're just not listening. He said, you, you don't want to hear when it actually comes down to it. Now I would I would repent and I found out, okay, if I if I stop right in the middle of this, or right before, right when I start to 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 be tempted to sin if I stop acknowledge God and pray I didn't have any issues but I would only do that when the guilt was there sometimes the guilt would be strong enough that I I I would go for a long time without sinning and then God would come back or that temptation would come back and God would prompt me hey you need to pray you need to acknowledge me right now you're you're in a weak state and if it had been long enough I'd be like oh wait i have just give me 10 or 15 minutes let me finish what I'm doing and I'll I'll pray and then I would end up sinning or I'd say a quick prayer just so I could say I tried and then I'd intentionally get myself preoccupied because I enjoyed my sin if it wasn't enjoyable the Bible says it's enjoyable for a season it's a very short season because as soon as you get past it that guilt just kicks in and you just why? calling yourself names but I would, I would make sure I was so preoccupied I couldn't hear that voice telling me, Hey, stop. I you know, get the picture of this, this little kid holding his fingers in his ears when someone else is telling him, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. The kid heard exactly what was said. He didn't like it. That's why his fingers in his ears. And that's what I was doing. I had managed to find a way that I could justify myself Like, I've been trying. You know, I've done this, 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 and this. It's not about done, it's about doing. But my struggles continued until God told me, He actually came down and told me I didn't have much time. And I had several circumstances happen that had to change. I had to change my path or I wouldn't be standing up here. I believe that 100%. I wouldn't be standing anywhere. But... I had to mature. I had to look at myself and see how immature I was. In parenthood, anybody who's not a parent, you got to try it out. It's uh, teach you a lot. Said that over and over and over again, but I will go to temperance because I believe she's old enough to understand now. How many times do I have to tell you this? You ought to know this by now and more often than not God comes down a little bit later and I've done something oh yeah I guess you had to tell me one more time so you know we have to take ourselves like I said out of the scenario and look at ourselves in most cases as the immature children that we are why aren't we receiving our inheritance because we're not ready for it we're immature or why have we received our inheritance why, like, uh, the parable of the... Uh, the uh, my, my, guns, my mind's gone blank. The lost child, whatever. It is. Prodigal son, there you go. He took his inheritance early. And he got it. There's many cases that, you know, I look back, I'm like, man, I had a lot of the stuff I'm talking about. But I've lost it, I've wasted it. Still have a lot of it, but, or got it back again like he did, but we are the reason we do or don't get our inheritance. It's never God's fault. It's always God's right of when, why, and how. It's kind of tough, uh, speaking on this part of sermons, because feel like I'm preaching to people, and last week that we had a guest, and, or not last week, last time there was a guest, and she kept saying amen, and, and that's right, and I have a habit of looking at people whenever they're talking to me, and I'm talking back, so I hope she wasn't thinking I was singling her out, and today my in-laws are here, so if I make eye contact with anybody, you're just the lucky one at that point in time. So let's uh, let's turn to... Judges 1. Back to the the prodigal son. There's, There's a right way and a wrong way to get your inheritance. If you look in His Word, there's there's clear instructions. It's clear if you're looking for them to be clear. It can be gray if you're looking for them to be gray. But there's very clear instructions on on the path we're supposed to take, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. We can go back to the Bible in Judges one. Start in uh, I'll start in one there. This is now after the death of Joshua. It came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. Now, the only instructions were that Judah goes up first. Judah and number three, goes to Simeon and says, And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and likewise I will go up with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. As far as I know, there is nowhere where God says that was wrong. It was Simeon's, I believe, uh, if I, I remember correctly Simeon was the weaker tribe so the, the tribe of Judah went to Simeon and said hey they probably didn't need Simeon's help but they knew that Simeon was going to need their help or vice versa I don't really remember which one was which but I'm pretty sure Judah was the more powerful tribe at that point point. and it was Simeon's right, his responsibility as a brother to help Judah and vice versa all throughout history Biblical history, the tribes of Israel banded together. When they were first going into the promised land, uh, two tribes stayed behind or took a possession on the other side of the river, but they didn't stay behind. They said, Joshua said, if you'll come and help us fight, you can have that possession if that's what you want. But it was their responsibility to help everyone with their inheritance. It's my responsibility. If anyone in here needs help with a physical or spiritual inheritance, this was a physical inheritance that they were going after. This was this was, if Caleb has bid on a job and he needs my help. His contract was he was supposed to put up the trim. It's not irresponsible for him to come to me and ask him to me to make the trim or me to help him put up the trim. It would be irresponsible of him to go to someone else. They say, hey, Caleb, we trust you. He's got the job. And he goes to... Someone and subcontracts it out to someone else. If Simon or Simeon and Judah said, "Hey, we really don't want to fight. We can get our inheritance if if we pull our money together, we can just buy this land." They're greedy; they'll take it. Let us leave. That wasn't the instruction. Didn't matter how many they could have. Judah could have asked the entire nation of Israel, and if the entire nation of Israel went with him, it would have still went under God's plans because God's plan was that Judah went up and there's a wrong way in the same might be on the same page but uh, definitely the same book and chapter if you go down to 22 it says in the house of Joseph went up against Bethel and the Lord was with them the house of of Joseph sent to describe Bethel now the name of the city before was Luz and the spies saw a man come forth out of the city and they said unto him shew us we pray thee the entrance to the city and we will show mercy unto thee now there's a difference here than with uh, Jericho when they went in there the lady said, your God is the right God. Your God is going to win and they give you this nation. I'm surrendering to you. I'm surrendering early. I want to follow your God and I will have my family do the same. And she became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Now here, it doesn't say who the man is. He very well could have been the king of Bethel. Just in regular everyday clothes. And it says that God was with them when they went up against the city, but the spies said, We'll show you mercy. The man showed them the entrance to the city, took his family out. They destroyed the city. And then let's see 24. And the spies saw a man come forth out of the city, and they said unto him, Show us, we pray thee, the entrance to the city, and we'll show thee mercy and when he showed them the entrance to the city they smote the city with the edge of the sword but let the man and all his family go and the man went to the land of the Hittites and built a city and called the name thereof Luz which was the name of which is the name of it unto this day they didn't conquer Luz they moved it throughout the rest of history until I couldn't find out I don't think they exist anymore. I couldn't find them on on Wikipedia. The Hittites were a thorn in Israel's side. Not in Joseph's side. They were, but not just in Joseph's side. Joseph skirted the responsibility of his inheritance and it affected the whole body. The uh, Hittite women are, are, are one of the people mentioned that turned Solomon's heart. For... The rest of the time, you never hear, oh, and they went to Luz and had a great vacation. The Hittites were a sign, and it goes through several points, it, uh, where they go into the city, and they destroy most of them, and then they take the rest of them unto, as slaves, or, or they let them go for one reason or the other. And it was always something gets to, to, to later on in the book and it says that God said fine if you're not going to deal with them then you can't deal with them now you had your chance now they're going to be a thorn in your side they're going to be a reminder of why you follow my path and I don't want I know there's a right way and a wrong way I don't want to be uh, not approachable so I want someone to be able to come to me or my, more likely me come to someone else and ask for help. I don't want to go to the enemy and say, all right, I, I'll keep a piece of you around if you'll help me get my inheritance. Who you take advice from, you know, don't sit in the seat of the scornful or stand at the council of the ungodly, that I'm getting everything backwards today, but you know what scripture I'm talking about, Psalms. Who we take advice from, who we ask for help from, may not change whether or not we get our inheritance, but it will change how we live out our inheritance. There's also... uh, something else that that we're supposed to inherit something that isn't as comfortable we're supposed to inherit the suffering of Christ that is something that is not a question some of us will get these possessions some of us will get these possessions all of us will suffer for Christ if we are called by His name. The suffering of Christ can be losing a portion of your inheritance. The suffering of Christ can be losing friends. You know, if you go through and just read about the physical suffering of Christ, that's that's not out of the question. You know, uh, I like. When Pastor John spoke and he said, Everybody thinks that when it gets that bad, Jesus is coming and, and we're gonna we're just gonna avoid all of it. And then he's and I was like, Well oh, yeah <laughs> that, that's the way it's gonna be And he said, Well what about the people in Vietnam? What about the people who are suffering everything that is spoken right there, right now today? Tell them that before it gets bad, God's coming back. They are suffering for Christ. They are suffering... You know, there's a, a list of people who will, who will show the way to secret biblical meetings. And there's a waiting list to get on it because those people who are showing the way are going to eventually be caught and killed, tortured for the name of Christ. Just like uh, Paul said, he is, he was, he's happy to suffer for it. Paul... I, said he was, re- he was ready to go the only reason he stuck around was because he wanted to he knew that it was his responsibility to tell us Paul suffered if you go through the uh, the church history and you read about all of the apostles all of them died in ways I would not all except for, for one died in ways that I would not want to experience the last one that survived supposedly was boiled in oil to prove that the new Caesar was God. He was the last apostle. Sent in, he said, I'm going to get this guy, and if I can kill him, then they'll see that I'm God. And it didn't work, so he hit him, so that it wouldn't be an embarrassment to him. But they all, just because he lived, doesn't mean he didn't suffer. They all suffered in, in deaths and crucifixions and just horrible, horrible things. And he got to live the suffering he actually asked for it, him and his brother both they went and said hey you know we want to we want what you got and god said I, i'll give you what i or jesus said, i'll give you what i got it's not what you think it is they thought hey we're gonna go he's getting ready to take over this kingdom we're gonna be the heirs to the throne we're gonna sit on his right hand his left hand and and they got exactly what they asked for they just didn't know what they were asking for and that's something we need to really think about when we're asking for our inheritance. Why haven't I received my inheritance? It, it may be coming. This country and this world has so quickly turned. Ten years ago, if I told somebody, "No, you know I, just, I don't think that someone that is a girl can get an operation and become a man." They'd be like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> that's foolish." It was a a gender dysphoria. It's a, a psychological disorder. And now, if you say that that's not possible, you're the one that has a psychological disorder. There may be a time where we have to take a stance and suffer for Christ in ways that we thought would never happen in this country. But that is part of the inheritance that we are praying for. Because in our suffering also, the Bible says if you suffer something for Christ's name, you're you're increasing the inheritance that you truly want, the inheritance in heaven, what you're going to receive in heaven, that is magnified in your suffering. And in that case, the people in these other countries, strangely enough, are more blessed than we are. Because they have been able to build up. I'm not... I'm not envious of them. I'm not uh, wanting those blessings. But I shouldn't skirt them either. Let's turn to, to 1 Peter 2.19 We'll try to finish this up. I like this scripture because it covers all of that in one section there. We're going to read all the way down to 24. This is for this is thankworthy. If a man, for conscience toward God, endure grief and suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if we, when we are buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if, when we do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. For even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him who judges righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. I love that verse because he goes through and says, you're going to suffer because Jesus suffered. You're going to be punished when you don't deserve it because Jesus was punished when he didn't deserve it. You're going to go through all of this, and then it ends in 24 there. It actually goes down to 25, but in 24 there, it ends with the most hope that you can have. No matter what you go through, by Jesus Christ stripes, we are healed. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Father I I thank you for this day the opportunity that you've given us to learn in peace I thank you for the many things that you have given us that we've been blessed with most of which we take for granted because our blessings are so great in this nation I pray that you will give us the strength to learn in the easy times to take the inheritance, the portions of the inheritance that we get now to encourage us and strengthen us for the portions of the inheritance that we don't seek after as much. I pray that in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, your suffering will not be in vain. And that we will take it patiently. And I also claim that we are healed by your stripes. I thank you, Lord, for these blessings. I thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.